Hello, Monetization Nation. One of the most essential parts of our entrepreneurial journey is the ability to continually learn. We should never stop learning. If we stop learning, we stop growing. Sir Richard Branson said, quote, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune, unquote. If we can learn from great books and courses, our mistakes and our successes, our mentors, our critics and our customers, we will have the ability to continually find success. The worst thing we can do as entrepreneurs is to think we know everything and stop learning. Jeff Burningham, my guest today, is a friend that I made in my MBA program. Uh, Jeff was a recent candidate for governor of Utah. Jeff is a serial entrepreneur who's founded some very successful businesses. He's been on the board of directors of more than 10 startup companies. He's the founder and chairman of Peak Capital Partners, a $2 billion real estate investment firm, which was named the second fastest growing company in Utah and one of the 500 fastest growing privately held companies in the United States by Inc. Magazine. In today's episode, we're going to discuss Jeff's career and how his passion for learning helped him get to where he is today. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Nathan. It's good to see you via Zoom. And now, now I get to grow a beard. Now that I'm not <laughs> not running for governor of Utah, I get to grow a beard. And your true yeah. self coming out. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable when you start reading off my bio. Blah blah. Yeah, it's like a mile long, too. Oh yeah, right. It's not, but I'm a dad. You know, I'm a I'm a husband and a dad of four kids, and uh, but an and, and that's how I know you as someone where those things, the family and the faith those things that really matter are, are really what drives you and, and why you do what you do. Yeah. I try, I try to have that drive me, you know, I'm definitely focused on impact. I mean, really that's why I ran for governor when I told a lot of my uh, business friends and my network, number one, they couldn't believe it. Number two, they thought I still think I'm crazy, but uh, I did it because of impact. So the point is uh, I'm, I'm definitely focused in that regard in entrepreneurial pursuits, but also, uh, you know, civic duty and certainly serving my family and trying to keep what matters most at the top of my priority list. So I try to do that. I hope so. Well, as we go through and tell your story today, um, maybe we can, we can help convey that a little bit and tell that side of the story as well. Yeah. Can we start off by having you share with us something that you are super passionate about? Yeah, I'm, I am passionate about learning. I love learning. I love podcasts, actually. I'm passionate about podcasts. In fact, after the gubernatorial race, I started a podcast. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, so I actually found it. It's the Us, the Extra Extraordinary Ordinary. Yeah, the Us, Jeff Birmingham. Search that up, the Extraordinary Ordinary. It's kind of saying how it's telling people's stories. It's not political. I, I have the Huntsmans on there, and then I have business leaders from Utah, like the founder of Homie, Johnny Hanna on there, um, religious leaders uh, from different faith organizations. And it's really just kind of telling the story about how obviously all of us 
and our stories are extraordinary. Like it's a miracle that we're even here, that we're alive, that we're breathing, that it's sunny outside, that I can see you via Zoom. I don't even you know, know how yeah. this works. It's just a miracle. But also we're very ordinary. We all struggle in a lot of the same ways. Somehow we forget that at times. Uh, and, and obviously it's been a judgmental and harsh time. We're coming out of the pandemic, a lot of political discord. And after coming out of the governor's race, I felt like I kind of wanted to rinse myself clean of the negativity and just share uh, good stories. So anyways, that's what the Us podcast is. But that's something I'm really passionate about right now. Actually, I'm building a studio actually right below me in my house. It's about 90% done. And we'll start the second season here shortly once the studio is up and running. But I'm, I'm passionate about that. And one of the reasons I'm passionate about that is learning. Um, I, I love to learn. That's where we met. Or one of the ways we met Nathan is getting an advanced degree together. And, um, you know, I love to learn. There's a lot of different ways to learn. I just got back from Alaska last week, heli skiing in Alaska last week. That's a way to learn to be on a humongous glacier in the Chugach yeah. National Forest and and see the glaciers and ski the snow and be with great friends and, and business partners. And so I'm passionate about learning and all those things kind of go together. I saw those ridiculous pictures on your Facebook page today. <laughs> yeah, the Northern Lights were unbelievable. Uh, so anyways, that was cool. I haven't really seen those. And then, yeah, it's impossible to capture by picture the beauty, the grandeur, the scale of Alaska. And to be like this little mosquito on this massive mountain, in this massive mountain range, kind of having your life potentially in peril, you know, with a lot of snow and crevasses and it's humbling and uh, you learn a lot is exciting and fun. And uh, it was also cold, really cold, yeah. but uh, it was a great time. So that's something I'm really passionate about right now, Nathan. Learning. Thank you. Growing always. Yeah. And that was phenomenal to be able to do that MBA program and to have people like you, although there's not a lot of people like you anywhere, but it, it was amazing to have, have, people of your caliber participating and, and learning together with them in that program. Yeah. That was the best part of that whole program was the, the, the peers that we were able to learn with and connect with. Isn't that the best part of everything? Yeah, like, that, that's true. Comes, we're both old enough. I think we're about the same age in our forties. Uh, really it's about relationships. Uh, we, we often focus on results or things we want to get done. And sometimes those are important. But really, at the end of the day, it's about the result we really want are the relationships. And whether that's in an MBA program or a business or a family or a community, it's a, those relationships are what matter most. And uh, that, that's what matters most to me. And, and um, I think that's always what matters in the end. Yeah. Okay, so I would like to go on a journey with you. I'd like to do a little blast from the past in All this right. interview. Let's start with your very first entrepreneurial experience. Maybe just tell us the story. And I'd like to just go through some of your, your you've, you've done so many of these different ventures for yourself and, and helping other organizations through, through their ventures. Um, maybe tell us your, your best stories. And, and as you do, maybe tell us your, your top takeaway. What, what is the best lesson you learned 
from each of those experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I grew up in Spokane, Washington, and my first entrepreneurial experience was when I was 12 or 13, actually. There was a knock at my door. I overheard my mom talking to a salesperson who was selling a, a, a um, carpet cleaner. And of course, my mom actually said, no, thanks. And I said, wait, mom, let's let's get that carpet cleaner. We lived across from the elementary school. I said, let's get that carpet cleaner and all, you know, clean the carpets of the elementary school and, you know, at our dentist's office and our doctor's office, maybe our churches. And um, I was a competitive basketball player, actually loved basketball. I'm the oldest of six kids. So there wasn't a ton of money to go around. It was hard to pay for travel camps and shoes. And so I said, so that, so I kind of begged her to, um, to help me. And they did to credit to my mom and dad, they did. And we bought that carpet cleaner and I started cleaning carpets when I was like 13, maybe 14, 15. I got too busy with school and, uh, and basketball, et cetera, after that. So kind of handed the business down to my little brothers, but I think, uh, so that, that was a great learning experience. And, and two things I think I learned from that. Number one, you know, we don't get there alone. We almost always need help, whether it's through investors or mentors or partners or employees, you know, without my mom and dad, even though, again, we were kind of solidly middle class or lower middle class, um, I wouldn't have been able to make it without them. They, they were able to finance or buy the carpet cleaner. I was able to pay them back. And so without that little investment, it wouldn't have happened. So that's one. The second thing I learned, which I really love team sports. All my kids still play team sports. And one of the reasons I love it, it just teaches you that you can do things. And I learned from that venture that I could do it. Like I could start a business. Even as a kid, I could start a business. I could hustle. I could talk to my dentist. I could talk to my doctor. I could talk to the principal and I could convince them to allow me to provide a service um, hopefully a superior service or as good at a better price. And even I, as a teenager could make it happen. So the, that's my earliest. I mean, my first scalable business was as an undergrad at BYU. It was a technology company started with a partner, sharp guy, great guy, a tech guy. And, uh, we grew and scaled that business through nine 11. So through the dot-com bubble bursting, and it was a really good learning experience. We ultimately sold that company to a NASDAQ listed firm. Was that MindWire? It was MindWire, yep. And we won the BYU business. It was then called the business plan competition. As yeah. you remember, Nathan. Now it's the business model competition, which is- What year model. did you win it? I won it in 97. Oh, cool. I won it in, uh, I mean, this might be off a year, no, in 2000 or 2001. Okay. So you were three or four years after me. Three or four years after you. I think it was 01. I graduated in 01 and I think it was in 01 that, yeah, we won those competitions and, uh, but it might've been 2000 and um, it was a great experience selling. I mean, I, I negotiated the sale of my business. I was a 23 year old, or I guess 25 at that point, 25 year old undergrad from BYU graduated had been working in the business for a couple of years and sold that to a publicly traded company, negotiated the sale with, this is no joke, a Harvard CEO, 50 something year old CEO. <laughs> Somehow I had the audacity to think that I could just like do that. 
And I did, by the way, but it maybe didn't end up the best it could have for me or for my partner. But we did okay for 20-somethings. And, um, you know, uh, I learned a lot about transactions in that early sale. Not everyone was happy. There was It was hard to sell my baby into a bigger entity and then to see it kind of, my little business, to see it kind of gobbled up by a bigger entity. And I also learned that it was, it was hard for me to work for someone else. It, it wasn't as motivating to me to follow someone else's vision. I always like to set the vision, set the plan, set the course with my team, of course. And, uh, you know, it, we had a two-year earnout, and I think I was there for like two years and a week left. And um, in this one, I'd say I learned a lot about a transaction. I learned about challenges of selling your business, about seeing it gobbled up by a bigger business. I you learned about it. software, running a software company and recurring revenue streams. Yep, yep. Learned about software and the difference between productizing like a software product with recurring revenue and services, which, you know, ebb and flow and aren't as valuable. We scaled up to 20 or so employees. We had a super sharp team, great people, you know, much smarter than me or my partner. Um, but anyways, ended up selling it and, and then seeing it get absorbed and changed. That was, that was hard. But um, two years and a week later, I left the publicly traded company that acquired us. I helped open an office here and at the Cottonwood Corporate Center in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. But I left and I was heading back to graduate school actually in Boston. So well before we went, um, but received a church assignment that kept me in Provo. And, and so, and really without that, I might not be in Provo and I may not have started, I started Peak Capital Partners. So with two of my best buddies from undergrad at BYU, one of them was my best friend. We ran the management consulting club together at BYU. So my senior year, I was graduating from college, um, flying around the country with Jamie, interviewing at like Bain and McKinsey. And then I was also running my startup with my partner, Josh. So it was a busy year. And um, we, Jamie and I reconnected. He introduced me. He was at Wharton MBA at that point, introduced me to uh, our third partner, Jeff Danley. So two Jeffs and a Jamie. Um, who was an MBA from Dartmouth and they had met back East. And uh, the thought was, man, there's going to be a pullback in real estate. Let's buy distressed assets when there's a pullback. And so we formed up, I think, December of 2006. So we pre-timed the market a little bit. Yeah, great timing. It was really hard. Um, We had no idea how, I remember the first couple of days in our office, this is my home office now, but we sat in an office probably half the size of this, three of us back to back to back, reading headlines like Lehman Brothers is failing, AIG goes under, and we didn't know if we'd make it. The funny thing is, it, we probably had two to three years with almost virtually no revenue. Um, and it's funny now, and it's both Jamie and Jeff, I think we're looking for other jobs. The funny thing is, as the entrepreneur and the, you know, in the group and the visionary guy, not that they aren't, but just, I had no doubt that we were going to succeed, you know, like it wasn't even crossing my mind, but they were smart and kind of making plans. That's how tenuous it was. But when we turned it around, we turned it around quite significantly. And we, um, 
owned a ski resort here in Utah for quite some time, have bought, I think, over $5 billion worth of real estate now. Wow. And um, we're uh, mainly in multifamily uh, housing. Um, and so anyways, again, when we turned it around, it was a really lean two or three years. But when we turned it around, it turned around quite significantly. We've been one of the fastest growing businesses in Utah for the last five or 10 years. And uh, it's been a really fun ride. Those guys are still my partners. I was in meetings with them yesterday, partner meetings. And uh, it's it's been good. We've scaled up our organization. We now have seven, close to 800 employees, seven to 800 employees. Um, that's between a home investment office and an owner. And then we, we have a management company called Peak Living that manages, we own close to 30,000 doors around the country. And so that's where a lot of the headcount is. And so it's been fun. And then, and then I started a venture fund, which you know, Yeah. I think so, uh, the, anyway. So before we go to the venture fund, let's talk about Peak really quick. What, um, what have you learned there? What's the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway? Yeah, there's a couple things I've learned. Number one, private equity is good. You know, I mean, you remember when Mitt Romney ran for president? I got yep. some advice from Mitt uh, before running for governor. He's been a friend for a while. And um, you remember when he ran for president and it was like private equity is so bad. You know, there are some bad people in every industry, but the people that I know in private equity and certainly at our firm at Peak Capital are some of the best people I've ever known. Um, private equity is simply taking private capital and investing it in assets together. And so think of a non-public company, a private company, or in our case, mainly private real estate assets, like you know, 90 plus percent private real estate assets and owning that together. It's a great so that, that's one, one thing I've learned. Number two, man, I've learned it how, you know, those first five years, three years for sure, five, six, seven years at peak um, were so lean. I mean, we put everything back into the business. We didn't, you know, we had lots of employees by then, but we, Jeff, Jamie and I didn't take any money. We, we paid our payroll and it was really lean, but again, when the flywheel turned, I'm surprised at the amount of cash that flows once you've figured out uh, a business. So don't give up. Like it can take three, five, seven years um, and for the cash to really start coming in and, and for there to be profits to share and, and to reinvest in other things. I've learned the value of good partners. I, I lecture at BYU quite a bit, which is just down the street from me here and um, guest lecture for entrepreneurship classes. And I always say, I like team sports. I like having partners. Um, and there are two things to look for in partners. Number one, never don't ever get a partner that doesn't have your same baseline ethics or morals. And I'm not talking about religion here at all. I'm talking about, you know, honesty, integrity, work ethic. So find partners that see the same way you do in that regard. But then, but then also, but, and then get partners that one plus one equals three that complement your weaknesses. Um, so be self-aware, know where you're strong, know where you're weaker and uh, get partners that um, can complement your weaknesses. So 
when you put two of them together, it equals more than the sum of the parts. And that's certainly true with Jeff and Jamie. They're great operators. They're much better than I am, much smarter. I don't, I'm not sure they're better looking, but they can't <laughs> grow a beard like that. But pretty much everything else, uh, they're better. And so anyways, there's some of the key takeaways from, I, I also learned a lot, sorry, about myself. I really love the start. I really love the early uh, stages and maybe this will wrap up my business career and resume or story, Nathan, if that's what you want. But once peak capital had scaled up and survival wasn't a question anymore and it wasn't hand-to-hand combat and we didn't know if we weren't going to make it, that took them five years. And, and I kind of start losing interest in a business when it's scaled or scaling up. You might be similar. Yeah, so, I am similar. Yeah. I really like those early years. A lot, most people don't, there's a lot of risk. It's really hard, but I find it to be kind of going back to what I'm passionate about, what you asked earlier, learning. I, I just, that is such a rich time of learning. Um, and so I love those first five years. I love the start. So when Peak Capital kind of scaled up and for the first time, Jeff, Jamie and I sat around the table and said, hey, we have some extra money What should that we don't have to put back in the business. What should we do with it? And I said, I know exactly what we should do with it. There is an oversupply of good entrepreneurs in the state of Utah, which is where we all live and where our headquarters are. And there's an undersupply of good capital. Let's take this extra money and invest in the best and brightest up and coming entrepreneurs in our state. And so we started angel investing. In fact, the first angel investment we made, which should be somewhat familiar to people and definitely here in Utah was a company called Outlet. Do you know yeah. Outlet, Nathan? They yeah, create, that's the baby product company. Yeah, they, they create smart, their first product was smart booties that allow you to know if your infant's in distress and they alert your phone and you can come save your child if you need to. They just went public via a SPAC <coughs> about a month ago for... I think it was a $1.4 billion SPAC. Wow. I saw that company pitch at BYU. I was a judge in a like a one-minute pitch contest of 30 companies. And I said, Kurt Workman was the CEO and Outlet. That is the best business here. I started mentoring to him, talking to him. And that was our first angel investment, actually. So we started making angel investments. And then very quickly, a lot of our real estate um, investors were interested in investing with us in venture as well. And so we raised a venture fund, a quick $23 million first fund, raised it pretty much alone in just a couple months and started deploying it into, you know, one of the first investments in the fund was Podium, which again, if you live in wow. Utah, you know, Podium, yeah. Homie. I mean, there's a lot of well-known businesses in the state of Utah that were kind of our first investments via the fund. We're now investing out of fund three and have made uh, probably 60 investments across the three funds. And some of the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the state of Utah, Neighbor, if you've heard of Neighbor, just raised a $53 million Series B today. We were the first investor in Neighbor. In fact, they officed with us for the first six months. Wow. But Neighbor, Homie, Podium, uh, TaxBit, Divi, MX. Observe- some great companies. Yeah, some cool, some really cool companies that that we love. Um, 
you know, kind of my thesis around not being enough capital, but being a lot of smart entrepreneurs has played out and it's been awesome here in Utah. A couple others, Route, I'm just looking them up, Route, I don't want to leave people out, Route, Weave, Filevine. Anyways, a lot of cool companies. And then I lost my mind and ran for governor. So <laughs> there's my, uh, there's my long entrepreneurship story. So when you ran for governor, did you step away from your other ventures and, and hand the operations over to, to others? I did. So I'm, I actually turned 44 in five days. And when I was in my late thirties, I told Sally, my wife, that, man, it was all encompassing. Starting businesses takes a lot, as you know, yeah. and it takes a lot of work. We were running, we were running probably, I was running probably faster than we sh I should, which was causing my wife and family to run faster than they should. So I promised her that when I turned 40, I would take a step back. So I started hiring CEOs for all my companies and I didn't quite make it. It was not till I was 41. So about three years ago that I kind of stepped back. My partner took over Peak Ventures. We hired a CEO actually outside of Jeff, Jamie and I at Peak Capital, Chris Manning, a great acquisitions guy that we brought here and he lives in Park City. And, and so we had everything kind of set up and we're running. And I was kind of acting as the chairman for all these companies and then decided to run for governor and really, so I was still involved almost on a daily basis at that point. But when I decided really to run for governor, um, I, you know, I was, I don't want to overstate it, but I wasn't involved more than probably a day a week for a year or 18 months as I was running for governor. So I went all in on the governor run. And um, so, yeah, that was fun. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we should never stop learning. If we stop learning, we stop growing. Number two, learning is a choice. We should actively search for new opportunities for growth and learning to constantly progress. Number three, our businesses should be about relationships. While we may have the skills necessary to start a business by ourselves, we will have a much greater capacity for success when we get the help of others. Number four, it might take two or three years to earn a profit, but if we put in the work and effort, we can turn our business around and become extremely successful. Number five, we should be intentional about who we choose to partner with. Our partners should have similar values as us and should complement our strengths and weaknesses. If you wanna learn more about Jeff or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or Twitter or visit his company's website at peakcapitalpartners.com. And there's links to those websites on the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free passion marketing ebook and learn about how to be a top priority for your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number three, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number four, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What are the most important lessons you've learned during your career? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your lifelong pursuit of learning. 
you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.